0: Welcome back. It's Friday, 5th of July, 1946. For anyone surrounded by Americans, that means it's the day after 4th of July, Independence Day. 75 years from now, can you even imagine what the world will be like? It'll be next century, next millennium even, the year 2021. If they have the opportunity to glimpse back into our time, what might they make of our efforts? Here we are, so far from home and all that we know. In remote Cheng Si province, displaced and starving people are still pouring in from elsewhere. The work of our small UNRA band is so urgent and pressing. Just 14 of us long-nosed foreigners in a province of 13 million Chinese. That's almost twice the entire Australian population just in this province. And almost none of them has ever laid eyes on a white person before. Betty and the team have been working feverishly, without a break or holiday, for just on two months now. Fourth of July is a perfect opportunity to let off steam and party. It seems there's something else going on too. You might recall Betty wrote in her recent letter to Aunty Edith, her godmother, that she is feeling full of beans and enthusiasm. The dark clouds are lifting. In this episode, we find out why. A man called Hank. But I'll let her tell the story.
1: Mrs. Betty Souter, UNRWA Regional Office, Nanchang, Changsee, 5th July, 1946. Please note that yesterday was 4th July. Thank heaven there is not another until next year, and thank heaven I will probably not be in Nanchang with these mad yanks on that day. I will not be responsible for errors and omissions in this letter, nor will I admit any libelous statements or implication which will probably be found herein. Dear Dad. I'm a little tired and rather hazy this AM, but so is everyone else around the place. I seem to have been looking at their silly faces for the last twenty four hours continuously, and being a little weary of it, I have now resorted seven fifteen AM to my office for a chat to you all at home, especially to my mother and pop. As I have mentioned, The majority of people at this office are, quite naturally, Americans. Since we had not, up until yesterday, celebrated any national days whatsoever, Western or Chinese, and even worked through Easter, we all thought it was time to have a holiday. The Yanks chose their day as a fitting time, and we all agreed, saying that in giving them their freedom from Britain, we took a heavy halter from our necks, and so good luck to them. In the middle of breakfast, it all started. Crackers under the table, surreptitiously lighted while we had our noses in the porridge. What a scatter. Porridge all over the place and legs in the air. That was breakfast. Some of us decided to do a spot of urgent work in the morning. Some others of us decided otherwise. I sneaked out here to my desk and was pounding away at my report and suddenly shot out of my chair like a wretched cracker itself. And there was everyone lined up watching the proceedings and laughing their silly heads off at my sudden cessation from work. That happened to anyone who tried to further the cause of the starving Chinese. During the midday meal there was a truce and the crackers were popped out on the veranda by one of the houseboys whose job for the day apparently was to make as much din with those tom thumbs as he could. One was lucky to get a whole sentence across to one's neighbour during lunch without interruption. And believe me, those things can make a noise, especially when there are three or four strings let off at once. Marge and I decided to go shopping in the afternoon because everyone was resting up to prepare for the night's entertainment. Hank, a very charming American from Kentucky, who promises to become one of my admirers, in fact, to be quite honest, the position has already arisen, Drove us downtown in the Jeep. We had fun. Marge had previously bought some materials for a skirt and had decided she would like some more to make a blouse too. We could not remember which shop had the material, but knew that it was a tiny shop in a tiny side street. Believe it or not, we found the shop and got the rest of the material. No mean feat in Nanchang. We had to do quite a spot of walking first, of course. Then I bought some very cool summer cloth to have a frock made. My luggage is still not here, and I'm very short of clothes these hot days. And Hank bought some more crackers. I have also found the relevant shops and priced some satin, just in case I get news of anyone announcing their engagement or anything like that. We just had to go along the Silver Street, neither Marge nor I being strong enough to resist, and made a few more little purchases. I hope to get a small parcel away for the girls the next time anyone leaves Nanchang for Shanghai. Once in Shanghai, the parcels should get through quite safely. So, the afternoon was enjoyable and much quieter than any other part of the day. On return to the compound, we gathered in to Claude's room for five o'clock cocktails. Special independence mixture. And from then on, the party began to get really bright. In one corner, the Yankees gathered singing the Stars and Stripes. In another, the Confederates yodelled about Dixieland. In another, the Aussies let Walsing Matilda rip. And the odd Canadians, Scotty and Indian, all indulged in their favourite tunes. You never heard such a noise. By 7pm, a butte thunderstorm had broken and the rain was coming down in sheets. We were supposed to be having our special dinner in the open beer garden of one of the restaurants downtown. Nobody seemed to be the least perturbed by the rain, so out we went into the jeeps and on our way. The party numbered about fifty, for we had invited a number of Chinese guests to share the fun. The tables were set up inside, of course, American flags for decoration. The governor was one of our guests the dinner party given by him for us was only the night before, and he sent along a mountain of crackers which, together with the ones we had for ourselves, would duly let go at indefinite but very close intervals. It was a wonder that my head is not absolutely splitting apart this morning, but it is clear as a bell, much to my surprise. We were lucky that it was cool. The dinner was specially ordered. Fried chicken, corn cobs, ice cream and the things that the Yanks apparently always indulge in on the 4th of July. Chinese wines were served with dinner, in deference to our guests, who do not take to whiskey and such like. That meant the usual gambes. Our friend, the colonel, the dancing enthusiast, invited us all to go on after dinner to his home to dance. The dinner ended at about 11.30, by which time I had decided that I had been independent for long enough, Marge agreed. So... With Sully and Hank, we slipped out like the Arabs in the night, which by this time had cleared and disclosed a lovely sky and brilliant moon. It was good to get out into the cool, fresh air, away from the noise and smoke of the crackers, and from the noisy revellers too. A spot of romance on the veranda with Hank for half an hour, moon-gazing, and then I was ready to sleep it all off. What a day! It was no wonder that there are only a few of us with bright smiles and clear eyes this morning, but we all enjoyed ourselves. And now, going back a day further, I should tell you a little about the Governor's dinner, which was, of course, an official and rather sedate affair. The whole staff was invited and, as usual, required by Bill to attend. It was a very hot night, and the men kicked a bit about wearing collars and ties but they became formal for once. The other guests at the dinner were the heads of government departments and the head of Sunra. I have come to know quite a few of these Chinese people and do enjoy their company at dinners. Most of them know quite enough English to be amusing and interesting company. Strangely enough, the governor does not speak or understand English. We were ushered into the government building with ceremony, the aide meeting us at the entrance, The building is constructed like a series of buildings standing one behind the other with wide patios to be crossed as you progress right through the sanctum where the governor sits in state. The design is adopted partly for the purpose of getting maximum coolness by means of the open spaces between large halls and partly to indicate the governor's importance in that you have to go such a long way to get to him. After walking about five miles, I admit exaggeration, but it was much further than Mum's height from the front to back doors, I assure you. We found His Excellency, were all introduced, and sat down to a sip of tea before the dinner. Polite chatter for ten minutes in a very nice furnished lounge, in which the plush chairs and lounges were covered by thin bamboo matting for summer weather, and then the hike back again for about four and a half miles to a room which we had bypassed on the way, where tables were set in a T-shape with place cards and all. It was the summer banquet room, and tiled floor, open sides, and large fans in the ceiling. To our surprise, we were served a western dinner, six courses. But the inevitable Chinese wine and consequent gambes... Actually, it was very nice wine. The governor, through his interpreter told us it was something rather special, as we were very special guests. A lot of the wines I do not like at all, but this was very good. There were speeches, of course, and many toasts, and I enjoyed the whole doings very much. Another hike back to the rear, and another ten minutes polite chatter, then home. So you see, we are being social just now. Tonight I am dining out with Hank at The Best Hotel. We are going with Rudy Bedford, an Australian engineer, who is as rough as bags, but an excellent engineer, and a man with a heart of gold, and Charlotte Ferry, who I have probably mentioned. I like Charlotte a lot. She's quite the nicest of the US girls here. And on Saturday, tomorrow, I understand the postmaster is having a dance on the roof, where we went to a party once before. By this time, I can picture you saying to Mother... I wonder the silly girl had to have a rescuer in hospital. But actually, Dad, I am being pretty sensible about it all, and I'm definitely not overdoing things. I really am feeling quite fine and intend to remain that way. I never hesitate to walk out on the parties if I begin to feel tired or if the pace is getting too fast for me, and I find that Marge and I usually feel the same way about things. So we get out together. Well... I guess that's all for now. I'm enclosing the invitation from the Governor. It is in accord with his austerity program. He seems pretty sincere and sensible as an administrator and not elaborate, but is evidence of the fact that I really was a guest of the Governor of Changsi. My very fondest love to you all. Would often like to have the girls in on the fun here, And yet there are many times when I long to be away from all the dirt and smells back in the good, clean Aussie air with only Australians around me. However, I don't want to leave yet. Cheerio, Daddy dear. I am sure you will give my regards to all my friends, clients and acquaintances. Do you still lunch at the club and with whom? How about a nice piece of fish today for me? My regards to Mrs Mack and tell her I'm having fun and rehabilitating China fast, and cheerio to Jim too. His wife's parting gift to me is a godsend in this climate. It is the kind of makeup that the sweat does not come through, and everyone tells me that I never look hot. Thanks to the chewed hopes, and will you ask some member of the family to please send me another Max Factor pancake, tan number one. Yes, I know that you don't understand the lingo, but they will. Yours very lovingly, Bet. P.S. Hope I sound full of beans because that's just what I am.
0: Production credits for this episode. Produced and narrated by Warren Henry. The voice of Betty Souter by Helen Polkinghorn, And the featured tune from 1946, Rumours Are Flying. Performed by Frankie Carl and his orchestra with vocals by Marjorie Hughes.
2: sort of a haze when I go walking I hear people talking they say our affair is not just a passing phase and they whisper about the flowers you keep sending me by the dozen. The hours that you spend with me, it keeps them buzzing. Rumors are flying. I'm not denying that people are sure I'm falling in love with you. Cause for a change. are flying and I'm not denying that people are sure I'm falling in love with you cause for a change